Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, um, spring marches on here. We've uh, we've had some nice warm weather here, and um, you know the 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 uh, NCAA tournament continues. And yeah, we're down to the Sweet Sixteen now. Sweet Sixteen. A lot of people picking Gonzaga or Arizona uh, to win it all. Yeah, um, yep. but yep. still got some old faithfuls like Duke and and North Carolina in it still. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. So that's going well, and we're gearing up for a Masters. I mean, that is right around the corner. Shame Phil's not going to play this year. I yeah. I saw that. No, yep, he's sitting out. So it'll be interesting to see who's going to take it this year. So I, I really don't know who the favorite is. Do you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know either. Um, You know, these young guns, you know, like the the Sam Burns. Um, yeah. You know, he, he obviously is hot because he just won. And, um, you know, there's, there's just, I don't know, there's a lot of young guys that are just super good. And so Colin Morikawa, yep. uh, you know, and, and some of those guys. So I'm, I'm going to say Justin Thomas. That's my pick. Yeah, Justin Thomas. He's He's been super hot, and he is just incredibly good, and he's due for yeah. a major. So, yeah, that Feeling would be – I could see that for sure. Um, so, anyway, it would be fun. Hopefully, weather will be nice, and we're gearing right up to that. So, that's fun. And speaking of fun, I mean, well, not fun yeah. topics. Yeah. <laughs> The, the non-fun topics we're going to talk about today, one of them is a recession. You know, um, mm. a lot of talk about recessions, Ryan. And um, so I just thought we'd take a little bit deeper dive this morning and, and, and answer the question, is a recession in the cards? Yeah. Um, you know, this year, next year, going forward, um, we know it's going to come eventually. We always have recessions. But interesting article here out of Marketplace.org very recently. So we're going to dig into some details of that. Yeah, and the next we'll talk about since the Fed has recently raised interest rates for the first time, what, three years? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk what that means for you. What does that look like when it comes to buying cars, buying homes? Um, so we'll kind of walk through that and see what that looks like for everybody out there. Yeah, something we haven't seen in a long time. So that'll be <clears throat> interesting to look at for sure. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 27 years of experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm also a certified financial planner, and I'm a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. Yeah, and we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday. And uh, check us out on our website, though. We have a lot of information out there. All of our shows are out there listed by topic and dates, so you can go and listen to us. We have over 10 years of of shows, I believe, on the website. Oh, wow. Which is remarkable. So there's, you know, there's all kind of material. Interesting to go back and listen to some of those shows from a couple years ago when we were in the pandemic. Yeah. You know, just starting the pandemic. So just to give you some context of where we've come in two years. Um, But also do, um, you know, check out some of the links there. We have um, some tools for, for financial planning, retirement planning, and, um, and you can also send us your questions. You can link to us there. We'd love to hear from you. And we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, Ryan, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah. So obviously everyone knows it's been the great resignation is what a lot of people have said recently. So, you know, 47.4 million Americans quit their full-time jobs in 2021. Uh, That's the highest annual number on record in the United States based on uh, the data they've been tracking since 2001. So a lot of people have been moving up in job, going to other jobs or retiring. We saw that too. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's quite amazing. I mean, to see the numbers and um, you know, the pandemic has really shaken up the uh, you know the deck of cards here, so to speak. 
And like you said, some have retired. Um, a lot of people have. A lot of them are just taking advantage of the hot job market yeah. to kind of reset their career, you know, with a higher paying job and, and something there that's more enjoyable. Probably the perfect storm. People were reflecting on their jobs right. during the pandemic. Is this what I really want to do with my life? And then also a lot of jobs were available. <laughs> I think it's a great time to do that. So they're smart to do that. I mean, because, you know, yeah, if you're going to change jobs, you want to do it when you can get the most money yeah. for a new job. and you have a better pick of where to go. So, yeah, and it's happening. So good good fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is, is a recession in the cards? Ooh, fun. Ooh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> this is a recent article from uh, Marketplace.org, uh, Mitchell Hartman. Um, but, Ryan, yeah, I mean, we're we, it seems that we're hearing a lot of chatter about recession in the cards this year, even next year. Um of course, nobody really knows. So, I mean, we're not going to, you know, pretend that our crystal ball is any clearer than anyone else's. However, you know, most financial professionals really don't seem that concerned. Um, so, you know, there's a certain, uh, there's certainly a few prognosticators, though, with very gloomy outlooks. And, you know, now that the Fed's raised interest rates, you know, a quarter point, you know, and inflation is there. I mean, it certainly is raising that question you know, is a recession coming soon. Um, and the stock market, though, and most analysts don't seem to be alerting us to that right now. Um, but Federal Reserve Chair, you know, Jay Powell, uh, didn't seem to think so either as he announced that the quarter point interest rate hike last week um, <clears throat> that, you know, took reporters and he took reporters questions. I mean, Powell explained that, you know, the Federal Opens uh, Market Committee is thinking what it's thinking as it starts to gradually raise rates and rein in the previous monetary policy. Um, you know, he said Fed policymakers hope to dampen demand for goods and services just enough to kind of curb the runaway inflation that we've seen without tipping the economy into a stall. Those weren't exact words, but that was the <laughs> gist of what he was saying. He's trying to balance that, you know, diplomatic, uh, you know, uh, stance on, on raising rates. Um, but worse, you know, they're trying to avoid another contraction, you know, like we saw briefly during the pandemic just two years ago. Yeah. The term floating around recently is soft landing. They're looking for the soft Looking for a nice soft glide landing. Let's hope for that. For the economy. Um, Yeah. So some economists, of course, are kind of mixed on the question. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) On what the hawkish side are those who've uh, been warning for a while that inflation was getting out of hand. Um, this guy, Peter Morsi, a professor at University of Maryland, said, the Fed has been consistently overly optimistic about inflation coming down, and it's really behind the curve. Um, he says, because the Fed waited so long and let inflation get so high and per- pervasive, it's going to have to do more than raise interest rates uh, a quarter of a percent. Um, every month, you know, or two to really slow the economy down. Uh, he's not totally by himself either. So there is a fair amount of skepticism out there that the Fed can effectively nav- that the Fed can effectively navigate this challenge uh, in this global economy and geopolitical situation. However, even with the bearish economists uh, uh, put the odds at the recession less than fifty percent. So even the bearish people are saying, hey, less than fifty percent um, over, over the, the next, next year. year. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, most economists, you know, they kind of rate the chances of a near-term recession as significantly less than 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 50% or even odds. In fact, a recent survey of analysts put the odds at only 30% hmm. 
for um, 2023, so for next year. Um, so really the consensus is a lot less than 50%. You know, and that's despite the outlook for Europe and, you know, with the war and the global economy cooling off a bit. Um, Eric Friedman, the chief investment officer at U.S. Bank, he expects a mild recession um, slowdown, mild economic slowdown, but nothing worth, not a recession. And, you know, though there are risks that that outlook as he pointed out, uh, you know, such as a faster tightening of monetary policy leading to a rapid climb in rates and persistently high energy costs um, while we have a dampening uh, of consumer and business activity. So there are risks out there, but most analysts are putting the odds at more like 30% for next year and even lower for this year. Um, many analysts, analysts remain optimistic that the Fed will be able to engineer the so-called soft landing uh, taming inflation and restraining demand without reversing the economic recovery. Uh, the U.S. Conference Board's prediction for next year is that the U.S. will grow at about 2 to 2.5% and be just fine. And that's really fairly robust, you know, considering the fact that that includes the environment that we're in um, with the Fed raising rates and, and higher inflation in general. Yeah, and so Dean Baker, a senior economist at the Center for Economic and Policy Research, sees a low risk for recession. So recessions are typically caused by the Fed acting too aggressively or an asset bubble bursting, he said. So neither of which he thinks is in the cards right now. Uh, he says, uh, we're going into this with a very strong economy, so 3.8% unemployment. Uh, we will have some choppy waters and the supply chain because of the supply chain with COVID-19, uh, but none of that translates into recession. So Dean Baker doesn't think so. Yeah, I tend to agree with Dean. I think we're pretty safe this year. I mean, we are in a pretty hot economy, and you don't generally see economies turn on a dime and go from hot to recession. Um, so I think we're safe this year. We'll have to see what next year holds, but I, I, I like his outlook. Um, but when you look back at history, you know, media pundits, they always try to make comparisons to the past. Um when there was high inflation. You know, America suffered through several bouts of inflation before, but many experts only want to consider uh, precedents from their lifetime, you know, that they remember, you know, and that's the inflation of the 70s and 80s that was conquered by the rapid interest rate policy measures of Paul Volcker back in the, in the 70s. And while that inflationary period rise, you know, may invite comparisons today, its root causes such as the Vietnam War and the you know, delinking of the dollar from the gold hmm. standard and an oil embargo. I mean, those were all totally different circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And the more appropriate data point from history is 1946 to 1948, uh, post-Second uh, post World War inflationary episode resulting from a supply chain shortage, from rebounding demand for consumer goods, high levels of savings soaring, and soaring money growth. Uh, this sounds a lot like today, uh, a lot more like today as... as um, as for how the 1940s inflation ended, um, supply and demand ultimately came back into balance, and more primitive versions of the Federal Reserve slowed uh, the economy uh, by curbing money and credit growth and shrinking the balance sheet. So price increases slowed in 1948 and actually declined in 1949, and a brief mild recession ensued. Um, equity prices generally remained pretty stable during that time. Yeah, so mild recession back then, that's right. Um and this might be a welcome outcome today, you know, but the execution of monetary policy combined with unforeseen events, with demand over the coming months, 
um, will determine whether inflation ends gently or with a recession or a more, you know, more market turbulence. Um, rising rates and inflation, I mean, they do provide a headwind for the markets and growth to be sure, but it's really the strength of the underlying economy that sets the stage for future profits and the economy. And we're currently in a very strong position with growth and unemployment right now. So we'll have to see, but it's a, we had to go a long way to go from where we are today to recession. You know, I mean, we're on the opposite end of that right now with really strong economy. So certainly wouldn't read too much into that chatter about recession. Important thing to remember when we're looking at history about inflation and interest rates is to recognize that stocks are the only investment that has easily beaten inflation over time. And also, some of the periods with elevated inflation, like the 80s, actually were great periods for the stock market. You know, the truth is, every period is different. It's unique with many factors in play. So you can't assume the market's going to follow any of these previous patterns. Um, we know that over time, you know, you have the best chance of beating inflation and making a decent return if you avoid timing, you simply stay invested and diversified in the stock market. Even if the economy and the markets take a significant dip, history shows that a well-diversified portfolio on average has recovered within a very short period of time and faster than any other type of investment. Um, so our prescription for recession anxiety is to stop watching too much negative news, you know, stop worrying about the next dip, invest for the long term while focusing on things that you really can control, like creating a solid plan for retirement. So that's where we think we ought to put your energy and... So you're telling me some economists are predicting recession and some aren't. Interesting. How exactly. That goes. Right. <laughs> yeah. When you summarize it that way, we kind of wasted our time here. But no, absolutely. Well, well, that's how it always goes with economists. It's like there's always somebody right and somebody wrong. <laughs> absolutely. And it's no different this time. You know, somebody will be right. It's not going to turn out exactly as anybody expects. But, you know, bottom line is you got to stay diversified. Absolutely. Don't, don't, don't watch too much news. It, it can really drag yeah, you down. You know down. what's going on, but don't immerse yourself in it. Exactly. That's a good philosophy to have. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. So this question comes in, what should people do when the markets become very volatile? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question, you know, right in line with what we're talking about today. I mean, like I said, I think you need to focus on things that you can control. We can't control volatility. You've set up your portfolio, hopefully at a risk level that you're comfortable with, that, that's appropriate for your situation and your future and your time horizon. So now it's time to rebalance the portfolio, you know, add money if you can while the market's down. I think it's a great time to do that. You can control your timing on adding money, but you can't control the market and, you know, where it goes going forward. And focus on planning, you know, focus on having a good solid plan, review your plan. Are you still on track? That's the key. If you're on track, you don't need to worry about the noise of the day of whether the market's up or down. So yeah, focus on the long term and on your plan and on making sure you have a solid plan in place. Um, but don't, I'd say watch less news when it's volatile. Absolutely. I love the line, focus on what you can't control. If we focus on the yeah. things we can't control, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I like it. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is what the Fed's interest rate rise means to you. Yeah. So this comes from uh, Julie Carpenter at the Wall Street Journal. I thought it'd be good for us to review it because 
The Federal Reserve just raised its short-term benchmark rate by one quarter of a percent. Uh, you know, last Wednesday, about a week ago. So, right. the widely expected decision um, increased the federal funds rate uh, from 0.25 to you know right at 50 per point, 0.50. Uh, so people will feel that the impact of raising rates on an individual level and on a household level, um, when interest rates go up or down, so the resulting uh, the resulting changes in other rates uh, impact the way we borrow money, but also how we save our money. So, obviously, frustrated house hunters now, for example, have already seen mortgage rates increased in recent months. Rising rates means home buyers will pay a little more each month for mortgage payments. So we're starting to see that already. Um, raising interest rates uh, rate in a, is about creating an inducement to save, said Laura Veldkamp, a professor of finance of economics at Columbia University. It's basically a deterrent of consumption spending. That's what they're trying to do. So exactly. when the economy is overheated, raising the interest rate is a way to pull that back and say, hey, I'll hold up, hold on the, uh, and postpone the spending. So that's what they're trying to do right now. So today we're going to talk about just kind of a guide uh, when we see these changes, what it means for you and kind of what you can do with it. Exactly. I mean, what do you want to look for um, with interest rates going up? And so the first one here, really one thing to watch is mortgages. Um, Ryan, because I mean, the way mortgages are priced are they're basically set um, largely on the 10 year U.S. government bond yield, um, also known as the Treasury note. Um, this rate is kind of used as a benchmark for all types of different loans, including mortgages. So as the Fed has signaled higher rates, the 10 year yield has moved higher. Um, and this has in turn pushed the average 30 year mortgage rate fixed rate mortgage to over 4% now for the first time since 2019. So the rates have spiked quite a bit for mortgages. Um, a year ago, it was 3.05%. So it's gone up almost a percent over the past year, according to Freddie Mac. And over the past two years, low rates and low inventory have fueled, you know, this white hot housing market that we're in right now. So, but with house, with skyrocketing home values leading to kind of these fierce bidding wars that are going on, um, you know, rising rates is going to have an effect over time. And so as of January, though, the median sale price for a single family home stood at $357,000, um, up about 16% year over year, according to the National Association of Realtors. That's amazing. 16% one year. That can't last forever. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to everyone was trying to jump in because interest rates were so low. But at the same time, housing prices were jumping up so much. So was it really that good of a deal? Because you're paying more for a house, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, you are. And then, <clears throat> so I just wonder about that. Curious, what what was your uh, mortgage rate when you built your house in the 90s? That's a good question, Ryan. It was uh, <clears throat> in 1991, um, my first mortgage rate was nine and a quarter percent. Oh my gosh. Nine and a quarter percent. Yeah. And it did come down shortly thereafter there because rates were coming down. But, you know, all the 80s really high rates um, that were, you know, left over from the double digit rates from early 80s. And, uh, but yeah, I refinanced at 6% about two years later, I think, um, when wow. rates dropped quite a bit. And uh, so, yeah. And huh. then it, then it went down from there. I was just curious. Every decade's so different. And so that that's, God, that I couldn't imagine that. puts in perspective, that. Right? Yeah. 4% still sounds pretty good. Yeah, golly. So yeah, the prospect of a higher rate has begun to reduce refinancing demand uh, and rising mortgage rates will likely create even more uh, difficulty for those who are looking for a house. Um, we'll likely see some decline or at least a slowdown 
Um, so just you know, be on the lookout for that. So the next is high-yield savings accounts and certificates of deposits. So right now, banks have little incentive to raise interest on savings accounts. So we tell a lot of people to put their emergency fund in like a money market account. Well, hadn't really paid a lot out recently because interest rates have been so low. Um, during the pandemic, Americans have been hoarding cash, uh, leading to high uh, the highest personal savings rate since World War II, uh, then edging down in recent months. So we're starting to see that kind of go down. The traditional view is that raising interest rates help savers, but most people who are savvy are in a broader range of assets. Yeah. So this is Caroline Folan, a professor of economics at Emory University. For your average person who just has their money in a savings account, um, you make nothing really right now. That's right. Um, <clears throat> the interest rates offered on savings accounts and many certificates of deposit often move with the federal funds rate, according to FDIC. The average annual percentage yield on one-year CD is about 0.14%. Goldman Sachs, uh, they have a Marcus account, is now offering uh, just half a percent. Um, yep. And yeah, and online banks like Ally are also offering about half a percent for their high-yield savings products. So not really good. Um, no, those will go up with short-term yeah. rates. So, But yeah, about a half percent at, at Capital One, I think, too. And American Express has a high yield at about a half percent. Yeah. So low interest rates very much affect savers. Um, so assistant, so yeah, so basically we'll see that change as the Fed funds rate continues to grow. Um, we should see a you know better return on those. So there's a positive for you. I mean, there you go. Savings rates will go up. Finally, you'll be able to make something in a money market account because they've been like zero over yeah. the past. Three With years. inflation, it's really sucked because you're it just really has. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're losing, really losing your value. Yeah, so that'll be a welcome change to start seeing some higher rates. And the Fed, you know, they were talking about raising rates now every single meeting, uh, so six more times over the course of the year. If they just did a quarter point, that would be one and three quarters percent, but uh, you know, increase by the end of the year. So we'll be at around two percent, you know, by the end of this year. Hmm. And so you appear to get some real, some real yield on your savings. Um, so that's going to be a big deal, you know, for people that have a lot of savings and a lot of money sitting in cash. So, so that's a good thing. There you go. <clears throat> there you go. One good thing. Now, one more negative thing here is auto <laughs> loans are also affected, unfortunately. But you don't want an auto loan anyway, right? You want to no. own it outright. Yes. You want to buy with cash. So this shouldn't affect you if you're that's following right. the Dave Ramsey principles here. But anyway, when you do take out a car loan, if you do, that loan has a fixed interest rate that's pegged to treasury yields. And that means the interest rates shouldn't bring any surprises, shouldn't be any surprise that those interest rates are going to go up um, with, with the rate increases. So for those looking to buy in the hot car market that we're in, make sure you do the math on your financing um, now, of course, as I mentioned, we suggest paying cash for your car, avoiding all the auto loans altogether, um, and buying a used car, quite frankly. And waiting right now and let the Wait. prices go down. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to buy in this market anyway. Yeah. Um, but in addition, keep in mind that, you know, individual car dealers and lenders, they can charge different amounts for your specific new car loan. Um, according to bankrate.com, the average rate on a five-year loan right now was about 4% um, <clears throat> very recently. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be going up. Uh, but still, just, just avoid car loans altogether. That's that's my prescription there. 
Next is credit cards. Um, those are also going to go up. And we certainly want you to avoid yes. interest on credit cards. Gosh. You should not be le leaving money on a credit card by any stretch. Um, so anyway, it's, it's an excellent time to pay down credit card debt. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and that will take even even more, that'll become even more costly to hold credit card debt as these rates go up. You know, according to Wallet Hub, March report of 1,500 credit card offers, the annual percentage rate for those <clears throat> for good credit was 19%. Ouch. You don't want to be throwing Jeez. your money in credit card debt. So that's in today's market. Of course, that's going to go up, you know, with the interest rates increasing. Um, it's going to affect those rates over time. I mean, those, those folks, they raise their rate on for any reason whatsoever. Yeah. If you're late on a payment, your rate goes way up. Mm. Um, so just, just, even if it's a mistake, so just avoid credit cards altogether. Absolutely. So in previous reporting, you know, the wall street journal already found that some credit card rates are going up regardless of interest rates. Cause shocker, you know, they have more generous rewards points programs Well, they have to pay for those. And yes, so guess how they pay for that. Yeah. You, uh, you know, they're charging the higher interest rates to make back all that money that they're dishing out to people. So, yeah, those rewards aren't always as great as they seem because we're the consumer is the one actually paying for those rewards. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last is student loans, which has been a big topic lately, as it always is. You know, for those with federal loans, you know, interest rates have already been set for 21-22 school year. Uh, every May, the interest rates for federal student loans is set according to a 10-year Treasury note um, auction. Uh, these rates are fixed for the ent uh, entirety of the life of the loan. The rate for direct subsidized and unsubsidized undergraduate loans is currently 3.73% uh, until June 2022. So according to U.S. Department of Education, next year the rate increase could impact loan distributions for the following academic year. Private education loans, however, could be affected by the rise of rates. So private student loans either charge fixed rates which stay consistent or variable rates, which can increase or decrease depending on the institution you borrow from um, or your individual financial circumstances. And the moratorium on on student loan yeah. interest is le is coming off, I think, in May, right? Yeah. So there, people are going to start paying interest again. So a good time to look at, you know, paying off your student loans if any way possible. Yeah, paying those off and getting rid of those. I just see so many people keep those for way too long. And just even if you're going to school, try to avoid going to a lot of debt. People get really overwhelmed just for an undergraduate degree. So we just, you know, want to be responsible. Make sure you kind of plan out your education. Make sure you get a good job. You can help pay those loans down if you do have them or avoid them altogether if you can. Yeah, get an effective education. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really our prescription. You know, make sure the, the education you get matches how much you're going to spend on it, you yeah. know, including any loans that you get. And, you know, I mean, by all means, go locally for at least yes. a couple of years so you can avoid all that debt. And then you can always transfer and you can get the same degree somewhere else. But, you know, there's so many good tech jobs now. To have a tech, I mean, you can go to tech school and, and get so many great jobs. Um, paying a lot that they're a lot better than a lot of the degrees that you get at a four-year institution through college, you know, with, with a lot of debt. So, you know, think twice before you go get a lot of debt to get a four-year degree. Absolutely. So, yeah, and just in closing, we just wanted to give you guys just an idea of what, what the interest rates look like, uh, what that means for you, some good, some bad, um, but you want to be aware of that. So. 
Absolutely. All right. Good topic. And that leads us up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, absolutely. So this one's really good because it is tax time. People are finally getting their refunds. And so one thing we tell people is, hey, use your tax refund to pay off debt or set up an emergency fund if you don't have one already. So if you haven't accomplished those things, if you know, a lot of people are getting some pretty big tax returns this year, um, you know, maybe invest some of it. You know, if you have all those set up, you're debt free, you have an emergency fund, maybe you can put in a brokerage account or make sure you fund your How about a Roth? Yeah, your Roth. Yeah. And you can have yeah. to like or an HSA. 15th. I love HSAs yeah. too. Yeah, till April fifteenth to do that. So Yeah, fully fund those. I mean, I know people, you know, what I see people do historically is they'll get their refund and then they'll go on vacation. Yes. And they'll go spend it. Yeah. You know, well, this vacation should have been budgeted all year long. So Absolutely. you should have your vacation fund that fully funds your vacation. A tax refund is not a bonus. It's not a bonus. It's not to go take another big weekend and, yeah. and go have a have a, you know, a, a, an extravagant weekend somewhere and spend it all. So go fund your Roth IRA. You yeah. need to be fully funding that. That's money that it's a great deal, particularly for young people, because that money grows tax free forever. It'll come out tax free. And you get access to the original contributions if you need them. You should leave it alone, but if you need it, you can get the original contributions you can get back. That's a great deal. You yeah. need to fully fund that. And with the uh, the, uh, the extended uh, child tax care credit, I had some friends actually get a very big refund back, very large, and they paid off all their debt with it. Oh, wow. Went debt-free. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah, they need awesome. to stay that way now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so, yeah, Roth IRA, HSA account, health savings account. I think that's another great tool. It's even a better deal than the Roth if you have a qualifying health plan. So yeah. make sure you fully fund those. Those are great ways to use your refund. So, uh, yeah, good, good prescription of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions, and you can link to us there. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 